Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning practice. My name's Leanne McMahon, and today our special guest is Nadia Abdelal, former Outreach Officer at AMSI and current Director of EM Maths. Have I got that right, Nadia? You do. <laughs> That's great. Welcome. Thank you, Leanne. It's lovely to be here. Today, we really want to talk about the recent report released by the Grattan Institute, How to Improve Curriculum Planning and End the Lesson Lottery. Both Nadia and I realised how important this is and the fact that it's something that we've actually been doing for quite a long time. So, Nadia, can you tell us what you've been doing lately? At the beginning of the year, I started my master's because I thought, I'm not going to be busy this year. (laughs) And I got through the first three weeks (laughs) and that was it. So almost three years ago now, I started my own consulting uh, Mm because we ended the the Choose Maths project. Um, I thought the beginning of this year would be a good opportunity for me or a nice time for me to start doing things and going out on my own. So I've been working with schools, working with primary schools, secondary schools, curriculum planning, writing, coaching, mentoring, supporting of those staff in in schools, demo lessons, the lot. I've been doing, I'm part of a new platform called T2L TV where we do videos and webinars on how to teach maths and a whole bunch of other things. So I've been super busy, which is great. Great. We'll put links to all of your projects. We both saw that article and really had some strong feelings about it. So first of all, can you just talk about what the article was about? Yeah, I actually, uh, you sent me a link to it Mm. uh, actually initially. And when I was reading it, my immediate thought was finally, this report just basically says everything that I've been trying to help support schools and teachers with for the last however long I've I've been doing this. Because I find that teachers really struggle with that whole finding time to plan Mm. collaboratively. They're all doing things on their own and they don't have enough time. So the Grattan Institute surveyed over 2,000 teachers and they found that only 15% of teachers had access to a comprehensive bank of curriculum materials. So a large portion of teachers were actually planning independently and they were coming up with their own lessons, lesson plans, they were coming up with their own activities. And so what that was doing was it was creating a lot of disjointed lessons across a school. Mm-hmm. So they refer to it as a lesson lottery, which is why I guess they've called it <laughs> how to improve curriculum planning and end a lesson lottery, because they, they found that teachers were kind of scrambling in their very limited time that they had to plan with all of the other million things that they have to do. Mm-hmm. They were often coming up with with activities independently and that meant each class could potentially be doing something different, which also meant that there was no, I guess, consistency across the school and across even a year level, which is concerning, Uh, not only because you know, teachers are time poor. So the last thing you want to do is spend hours and hours. And I think they said they could spend up to eight hours a week lesson planning, which is huge. Was that how long it was? I think it was 10. Was it? Oh, it's something ridiculous. Like if you're, that's more than. On top of your 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's more than a day just planning. So 
the recommendations were that there be more whole school planning and whole school planning meaning across year level and in some cases across subjects. There was a part of it that talked about across subjects. So for example, if in history they're talking about, now I'm going to show my ignorance because I'm a maths teacher and I have no idea about history, but let's say they're talking about, I don't know, give me a history topic. (laughs) Ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt. And in English, they're doing something that has to do with an ancient Egyptian text, which I can't think of anything (laughs) off the top of my head because again, maths. You know, you could somehow merge the two. So we're talking about the whole school coming together and supporting each other and developing a curriculum that goes across year levels and across subjects. Okay. You know, I I know a lot of schools already talk about that. Like if I'm doing, if I'm teaching linear equations in my class and I know that the science teachers are teaching you know, how long it takes to boil water, why are we not bringing the two together? Yes. It always astounded me because I was born a science teacher. Mm. And when we plot graphs, the students seem to have no idea. Yeah. And then I started teaching maths and realised, hang on, they know how to plot graphs. But then there was no cross-curricular communication. Yeah. it's And this is where you've got the cross-curricular stuff in the current mm. curriculum, all of those general capabilities, and then you've got the cross-curricular stuff. So there's a lot of stuff in the curriculum that teachers find overwhelming, particularly graduate teachers. And a large part of the report also talks about the fact that Australian curriculum is very broad. It provides you with information, but the information is sometimes vague and can be interpreted in a number of different ways. So if you have a curriculum descriptor, and I know we're talking about maths, you've got a curriculum descriptor that says teach supervising. It doesn't actually tell you how to teach it. The new one does, the V9 does, it's a little bit more explicit and the elaborations a bit more detailed, but provides a very broad kind of general overview of what you're supposed to be teaching and then you're supposed to be putting your own input into it. So, you know, given that, you don't have a lot of time to devote to that, especially for primary teachers who are in some cases teaching five or six different subjects. And for secondary teachers who are teaching four or five different classes, this can also be quite stressful. Yes. The other thing, the other interesting thing that it showed is that disadvantaged schools, so we're talking low SES or rural or regional schools, have even less access to whole school collaboration and those sort of bank of of resources and, and planning documentations and activities because, and we all saw this with the Choose Maths project, you know, you'd work in some really remote areas and some of these schools had 25 kids across foundation to six and you'd have one teacher that would teach three, four and five. Yes. And that teacher would have to do all of the subjects, all of the planning, everything on their own. And so often a graduate. And and often a graduate because it actually talked about that as well. Like yeah. a lot of those schools, those um, rural regional schools, it's a high population of graduate teachers yeah. and, and you know teachers who are relatively early career teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on the high quality curriculum resources. What does the report say about that? It's probably a three tiered approach that they're recommending. So they're recommending that they provide access to a suite of high quality 
materials. So they provide perhaps some some lesson plans, like the very baseline stuff, maybe some scopes, scope and sequences, you know, the fundamental, something that somebody could pick up and use if they needed to. Okay. So that's the government and or the Catholic system or the independent system? Well, Yes, government's yep. Catholic and independent sector leader. So that's okay. what they're talking about. The other thing is building expertise. So the expertise would start at uh, principal, curriculum, leader and teacher expertise. So upskilling the teacher leaders in order for them to be able to, I guess, filter down how to use some of these curriculum materials and resources and then they look at the review and evaluation so overhauling school reviews and uh, providing money and funding for the rigorous evaluations of their of what's currently being done one of the interesting things that I saw in the report was the difference between funding something like this and funding teacher professional learning. Yeah, yeah. So what what they're proposing is that if the government develops these comprehensive curriculum materials, it'll cost approximately 15 to 20 million. Now, I don't know about that. I reckon that's very conservative. And you meant mm. we, we discussed this beforehand. I reckon it'll probably cost more than that. But this is what they've come up with, this mm-hmm. figure. So they th- they're all, they've also compared it to how much it would cost if we had the school develop their comprehensive c- curriculum materials. So if they provided the funding to the schools, would be over 100 times more exempt. So approximately $2 billion oh. they're looking at. Also, if every primary school teacher develops their own curriculum materials they're looking at, that would be a cost of $4 billion. So they came up with this, this figure of if, like it would save teachers about three hours a week if they came up with their own comprehensive bank of, of resources for all subjects mm-hmm. because it goes from, you know, teachers would take about eight hours to plan a week, everything from scratch, and which I think it was 500 hours a year of planning right. uh, per yeah. subject. Yeah. If you were to just plan on your own from from scratch, so you've got nothing else, so you're starting from the beginning, it would take 500 hours. So if you were planning, say, four subjects, <laughs> it would be 2,000 hours, which leaves that's no time for teaching. Okay, <laughs> so these are the stats. Obviously, that's not the case because mm-hmm. teachers do have time to teach. So I guess what they're trying to make apparent is the time that's actually taken if planning were to be done really, really thoroughly and high quality resources and activities implemented into the planning documentation, that's how long teachers would need. Now, we all know that teachers are super time poor and a lot of the times they access things from what they called open marketplace. So the open marketplace were things like YouTube, Teachers Pay Teachers, Twinkle, They've mentioned Teach Starter, Facebook, Pinterest. Please don't get things off Pinterest. These are called open marketplace because there's no real quality assurance around the materials that get put on these things. So you could come up with an activity that looks fantastic and fun and may engage kids, but it's got no rigor to it. So they've looked at what they call curated 
resources and platforms where they're actually endorsed by governments, state departments or whatever. And prepared by well-trained professionals. Exactly. So that's curriculum materials on government overview. So then we've got what the curriculum leaders can do. And that is to establish a whole school approach to the curriculum. So we really need everybody to be on board. But in order for that to happen, in my opinion, I mean, it's easy to say all of these things. So this is when you're sitting in Parliament House and you're making all of these recommendations and you're doing all of these and you're putting money, you're throwing money at things. It's very easy in theory. But we want to provide also teachers and schools with the time and the funding to be able to do all of these things. So if you've got a whole school approach, how are we going to plan and implement it with all of the other things? And I keep saying this with all of the other things because we know how busy we are. I mean, how much time do you take just purely on all of your administrative duties? That's It's huge. So establish your whole school curriculum approach. This is what they want. They also want to invest in professional learning for the teacher, so curriculum specific. So I think they were saying something like 50% of all of the professional learning that they want to happen in schools with teachers be curriculum based. So yeah, I don't know what the percentage is at the moment, but they want at least 50% to be curriculum based, which makes sense, right? Yeah, of course. We're supposed to be teaching the curriculum. Like, what else are we doing? I mean, okay, anaphylaxis and asthma training is all yeah. important as and, well. And behaviour management. and yeah, super yeah. important. I mean, if you can't get class to behave, then, you know, teaching them anything. But I always also say on the flip side, if you've engaged a class, then your behavioural issues will also go down. But anyway, the other one will be to build systems to monitor the learning and and the materials. So the school-based approach to the evaluation of the curriculum resources that are in place. So what's in place currently and what are we going to do to make those improvements? Mm. Okay, So that's on a school and curriculum leaders tier. And then finally, the teachers will move to shared planning and adaption of the existing materials. So this is my favourite part because the last thing that we need in schools is to be given a prescriptive planning approach, a set of planning documents and told this is what we need to work from. States have tried it in the past. It does not work. For any Queenslanders listening, you probably (laughs) remember C to C. I didn't want to say it. (laughs) No, well, it it was a great idea and based in very good theory mm. and beautifully written lessons yeah. like really yeah. they well, really were yeah, yeah really great lessons but it was so prescriptive that didn't get the buy-in mm. if you prescribe that you do these activities to teach let's say algebra you do this activity you do this activity you do this activity what ends up happening is that you end up teaching the activities and not the concept to the children. That is so true. So I work a lot in classrooms with teachers, especially with their planning documentation. And schools are so well-intentioned and well, well-meaning well when they put together these planning documents because they want to make things as explicit as possible for the teachers, especially the graduate teachers, because <laughs> graduate teachers have got so much that they're trying to get their head around when they first get into teaching that, you know, having something there for them to pick up is fantastic. However, sometimes works against them because when they're picking things up and running with them, 
they don't always know when they can deviate from that formula. And it's that deviation from the formula that makes really good teaching. Mm. And a lot of the times I act, they actually say to me, oh, can I do something different or do I not have to just do this? And say, say these words, follow the yeah. script. Yeah. And I say, yes, even their leaders are like, yeah, you can change it up. That's the whole point. So the whole point is we've got this baseline set of activities and, and resources and things like that and then you bring in your own sort of flair to it. You know, teaching creatively is just so fun and so engaging for students when they see you enjoy teaching what you're teaching they enjoy learning as well and you know it makes the day bearable (laughs) well that's right one of the reasons why I got out of teaching was that it wasn't fun anymore exactly it had become so prescriptive I was at a school that I had to teach I was teaching science and I had to teach this thing on this day the activities were so prescriptive and we had to do the same thing as every other teacher on every other day. The kids were always comparing teachers and all of that sort of thing. And it was just stressful and stifled my creativity. What I found interesting about this is that they were quite adamant that these high quality materials are not prescriptive. And I think that's really important. Yeah, they really were focusing on the fact that these are a baseline so baseline materials. Now, secondary teachers will probably already have that to a certain extent because a lot of secondary schools work from textbooks in maths. So that is, I'm hoping, won't be the same as just a, a textbook, but it would at least be something for somebody to be able to know, okay, well, this is what I, I need to do. The thing that I hope that they would provide would be the pedagogy behind the activities and the lessons that they've created. So what I mean by that is on teaching a unit on place value, I have the correct mathematical research evidence-based information given to teachers on how and why I'm teaching each activity. Yes. And just reasonings behind how and why each thing is created. I think the more knowledge that teachers have the better they will teach because the last thing that I want to see is a whole bunch of lessons being put together in a scope and sequence and uh, schools will just go, okay, this is what we have to work with. So if this is going to be done, it's got to be an investment. This is what I was saying, $20 million. That doesn't seem like a lot of money to invest in however many schools we have in, in Australia. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The amount that you'd have to pay to get these high quality resources. They did say that many of them already exist, such True. as on the AMSI website. <laughs> Calculates for this great activity on decimats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who wrote that? <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of resources already created. So, you know, we don't want to in- reinvent the wheel. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Schools have also got a whole bunch of really great activities and resources, lesson plans, things like that. So we really don't. So when they talk about 500 hours of, you know, designing a lesson or a, a subject from, from scratch a year, I feel like it's a little bit of a... It's it's probably a, an extreme. But don't forget, there are schools that I think both you and I have been in where the teacher leaves mm-hmm. and there's nothing left for year five. 
That is so true. You know, I think sometimes we, this is why we have to be very careful about the types of schools that we work with in trying to support because when a school already has a lot of funding and a lot of support, they're going to have better teachers, better resources, better curriculum documentation, better PD, everything. This is why we're talking about disadvantaged schools being 50% less likely to have access to all of these things because they don't have the funding, they don't have the support, they don't have the mentoring around them. Even the teacher PD, that release from class, they can't find CITs. Really well-established schools can't find CRTs. Like post-COVID is chaotic. You know, I was at a professional learning day a couple of months ago and there was a secondary school that was supposed to attend and none of the teachers could attend because they just couldn't find CRTs to replace their teachers. So they missed out on an amazing professional learning opportunity as a result. And it's it's a real problem. So I think we need to address much more within our schools. I think that, yes, this is one solution to this report mm. on um, teacher planning, but I also think that there are a lot more issues that are happening within our schools mm. than just whole school curricula- curriculum planning. And I'm, I'm just I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we have been saying, you know, for a long time, as you said, that whole school curriculum planning is the way to go. And of course, we're focusing on maths. Mm. So this report has come up with some fabulous recommendations, really, really great recommendations. And hopefully government's systems will take them on board. That's not going to happen for quite some time if I know governments mm. and education systems. So what can we do now? Having found this really excellent piece of research, what can we do now? Wow, that that is like the million-dollar question, seriously. It's so, so, so hard, especially when you've got a number of factors that are affecting the reasons why you can't do whole school collaboration. I mean, we talk about time timelines, we talk about time constraints in schools, but in my opinion, the first thing that we want to be able to do is look at what we've currently got. Let's do an audit of our current documentation, all right? Maybe just choose one subject to start with because we don't want to overwhelm teachers. Let's do maths. Let's do maths. (laughs) Start small. Just start small, you know, maybe start with a topic. Let's look at fractions. Let's look at what we're doing with fractions currently. Let's look at our documentation and what's working and, and what's not working. Do we even have any documentation for this? If not then we need to decide what we're going to do to get this started. I always say pick a champion, pick a topic champion. So some people love multiplication and hate fractions. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when you're putting together curriculum planning documents, it's quality over quantity. Don't try to shove two or three activities Mm -hmm. in every lesson. It's just there's no point. And if it just creates more work, more stress, the kids are not going to learn as effectively. So, you know, choose a few warm-ups that you know work. We need to remember how we learn and the cognitive load that goes into learning something new. So when you're learning something new, your, your working memory is taken up by 
this new thing that you're learning. You're learning the instructions, you're learning the steps. So we don't spend a lot of time actually understanding the maths that goes into this this activity. So repeat activities or use an activity over two or three lessons. There are some fantastic ones. Like if I'm talking about the trading game, right? The trading game is something that you can use from year one all the way through to year six in so many different oh, ways. You can use it in secondary too. Oh, it's yep. it's just, it's one activity. Once the students learn that game, mm. you can just bring the maths in because they're, they're not spending all of their cognitive load trying to figure out what they're supposed to do in this activity. That's something that I've really noticed with the teachers that I've been working with, that often they'll do an activity and then that activity's done. Yes. And they don't come back to it. They don't come back. Whereas... Maybe not so much in games. They often will come back to do games. Mm. But the Growing Patterns activity that's also on the AMSI website, that's one that needs to be done over and over and over. So I think when we do an activity, it's really, really important not to take that activity at face value, but to look at what you want the students to gain from the activity. Exactly. I always say my favourite publishing term, what is the job to be done, guys? Like, why am I doing this activity? Am I doing the activity because I want my kids to have fun and enjoy and maybe learn some counting along the way? Or am I doing this activity because I want to consolidate that division is the inverse of multiplication? Mm -hmm. Like, what is my outcomes? It's, It's, yes, it's your learning intentions, that you want to start with, this is what you're intending to teach, but what are your learning outcomes? By the end of this lesson, I want my students to know this, 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 and that. Mm. And how are you going to be able to assess that? that? That's a really big thing. How are you going to be able to assess it? One of the things that I always do when I do demo lessons, and I try to avoid demo lessons, but you know, <laughs> you can't, I will always say to the students, what did you learn? And I sometimes will stand at the door as they're walking out and ask each of them what they learnt. Now, if they say, I learnt how to play a game, that's not enough. You need to know that they learnt, I learnt how to count. I learnt how to find formula from a pattern. Yep. Something, anything. Do a brain dump. Use an exit ticket. You want to make sure that the kids have learnt at least one thing, hopefully more than one thing, about what you're trying to teach. And if the learning intention was to have fun playing a game, then being so if they success. said, I learned how to play a game, yep. and right. you can tell if they had fun yep. or not. Yeah, But that's never your learning intention, really. That's right. And if their communication doesn't align with your learning intention, then you need, you need to do it again. That's or exactly you need right. to... Perhaps do it in a different way. Well, you might need well, to dump it, the activity. This is exactly it. So whenever you're building these curriculum documents, always put a column of notes, reflection column, and not reflection on what you learned, reflection on the activity that you've done. Mm. How did it work? And it could be just like a tick or a cross, like a big, you know, mad sad face never do this activity again because let's face it we all have those activities (laughs) where it just like crashed and burned we're never going to do that one again so make a note for yourselves what worked what was fabulous what am I going to do next time I've done this myself and I've seen other teachers do this some of the greatest lessons and biggest misconceptions from students have come out from doing an activity and it has not worked Mm -hmm. so what the teacher's gone away and done is they have 
noticed, they've observed all of the misconceptions and then the next day they've done the same activity again and they've discussed the misconceptions and then they've made improvements to the lesson. So this lesson can go across two or three days if you want and the kids feel like they've succeeded and they've achieved something because they're starting to understand and they're starting to build those learning blocks and putting everything together by the end. That's exactly it. The fact is, at the moment, we do have access to high-quality teaching materials. Mm -hmm. You can find them on the AMSI website. You can find them on NCTM. A lot of the government departments. Government departments. There are – look, I'll put a list in the show notes – but you actually do have access to high-quality teaching materials mm-hmm. free. Don't worry about teachers pay teachers. Don't pay anyone. Mm-hmm. So that being said, it's really important to know how to use them, all right? They haven't implemented the Grattan report yet, but you are able to access the materials and then work it out for yourself. You're a professional. Work out, does this work? How does it work? What did my students get out of it? How can I make them get more out of it? Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about providing teachers with the professional development, professional Mm -hmm. learning on what is good evidence-based practice for them. Because anyone can access an activity, but it's how to use this activity in your effective teaching that's going to be making the difference to students. So this is what I would hope that if they were going to implement some of these findings of this report, Mm -hmm. that governments will think about doing in in the future. That's going to cost a lot more money, in my opinion, because you're providing the professional. This professional development, professional learning is not cheap. If you're going to get an expert out, they're going to charge you money. As an expert. (laughs) As an expert, as they should. This is what we need to do for highly trained teachers to teach so, their subject specific area. So basically you're saying, when I asked where to from here, mm-hmm. given this information that we now have, access what we do have at the moment, mm-hmm. do an audit of what you've got, mm-hmm. access what we do have, and then perhaps if you're a leader, organise some professional learning around how to implement these high-quality teaching materials Is that the sort of stuff that you do? Yeah, yeah. This is exactly what I do. So part of my specialty is to go in and work with teachers on putting together these effective curriculum planning documents. So, you know, doing an audit of what's currently there and then making improvements. My favourite thing to do is to reduce a teacher's workload. And if I can do that, then I know I've successfully done my job. And it's not just because I've, you know, given them the day off. It's by allowing them to work smarter, not harder, because that's what we want to do. So we've got the resources there. We don't have to come up with our own resources, but what we do have to come up with is ways of implementing these resources and these activities for effective teaching. And that is what where the professional learning comes in. Find the gems, because there are some gems out there. Find those gems and put them in place every year year after year, even if you have to write a script for graduate teachers on how to use it and why they use it in your PLT meetings, have a discussion about, you know, how we can implement these activities instead of what are all of the different activities that we can find? Come on, guys, everybody go on a different platform and find some. It's the empowering teachers through education 
that we want our leaders to do. So the other part of this report that I found interesting was they mentioned that in 2021 they had surveyed over 5,000 teachers and I think it was like, was it 50% that said that they found collaborative planning to be ineffective? Oh. Yeah. And the reason behind that was because the the meetings, the plannings, they had no directions. So we need strong leadership. We need the, the leaders to be upskilled in the pedagogy, in the mathematical approaches, in, you know, the planning approaches, what makes an effective teacher, and then they deliver that in an efficient and effective way mm. to their staff. Well, Nadia, I think this report has given us an awful lot to think about, and it certainly has given us a lot to talk about. Mm. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. I love a conversation with you, and I'm sure that our audience is going to love it too, and I'd really love you to come back. Oh, I'd love to come back. It was so great to be here. Well, thank you so much. All of the resources that we've mentioned will be in our show notes, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for other podcasts, please drop us a line at mathstalk at amc.org.au. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.